Amen. That's what I hope uh, that we can all be uh, pleading uh, and asking God for. Uh, if we're not doing that already, that maybe as we look at God's word together this morning, uh, that he would do a work in our hearts that gets us to that place. We are uh, taking, we're going we're to get back into the Gospel of Mark and finish that up on Easter Sunday. We'll start that uh, again in February. Um, but we are taking a break to do this five-week series on prayer, just called We Pray. Um, and so we're in the middle of that. We're in, in week three of that series. Week one, we talked about how it is that we can even come before our almighty God and creator in prayer. We come before him uh, because Jesus has paved the way for that to happen. He is the great high priest, the son of God, who has given us access to the throne of grace because of who he is and what he has done. And then week two, last week, we talked about what and how to pray. It's so easy to just pray because, well, this is what we always do, and this is what I always say. These are the needs in my life right now. But, but last week we talked about, but Jesus has given us a model that we often, way too often, ignore in giving us what we call the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 13, which is a model or an outline that teaches us how and what we ought to be praying for. And today, the big question is this, why? Why do we pray? Why do we pray? If someone asked you this, they, said, they just came up to you and said, why do you pray? There's probably a lot of different answers that you could give. Maybe you say, well, I pray because life is just overwhelming and I don't know what else to do. So just go to God in prayer. Or maybe you say, well, God's word says that we don't have because we don't ask. So I want to be sure that I ask. So that's why I pray. Or maybe you say, well, I've seen God answer prayer in powerful ways in the past, so I'm going to just keep doing it. Maybe you just pray because it's a habit or a discipline. It's mealtime, and that's what you always do before mealtime. Or it's bedtime, and that's what you always do before bedtime. There's a lot of different good reasons to pray. But one that I think we often easily overlook is that one of the reasons that we pray is we just want to be with God. That's one of the reasons that we pray, and that's what we're going to look at today. Some of you have maybe never even thought of that. That, that praying is, is all sorts of other things, but you don't see prayer as having fellowship with God. Others of you, you long for it. You want to experience fellowship and intimacy with God. But as you pray, you just don't feel it. And then there are maybe some of you that, that this is something you long for. That, that as you're going about your day, what you're really longing for is, I just want to go and spend some time with God. In prayer, and you're longing for that because you do experience real fellowship and real joy there. So I don't know where you're at today, but today what we're going to do is we're going to look at one of the Psalms. There's 150 of them, words that have been uh, used to guide God's people in prayer and in worship uh, for centuries, and we are going to look at Psalm 27 this morning, zeroing in on what David calls the one thing that he asks for, and the one thing that he seeks. And so if you do have your Bible with you, you can open up to Psalm 27. And if you're able to, would you please stand as we read God's Word together this morning. This is the Word of the Lord. Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, they who stumble and fall, 
Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. And I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger, O you who have been my help. Cast me not off, forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Let's pray. God, I want, I want us to get to the point where at the end of this message, um, we, we first of all clearly understand what it is that you're trying to say. So I pray that if there's words that I'm going to say that distract from what it is that you're trying to say, Help us to forget those. And God, would you guide my words so that your spirit is at work in such a way that we begin to more clearly understand your word and so that in our hearts we begin to long more to be in your presence. That the one thing that we would ask for, the one thing that we would seek is to be in your presence forever. In Jesus' name, amen. As usual, there is in your bulletin a spot for you to take some notes, an outline for you to follow if that's helpful for you. And that also includes our life group application guide so that as you get together in your life groups this week, um, we're able to to dig a little bit deeper into what it is that God is saying uh, here in his word this morning. And so a few points, and we're going to spend a lot of time getting really practical at the end um, with that last question. But I want to look just a little bit, and we're not going to get through every verse um, like we normally do, um, but I want to just point out a couple of things. God's people for many centuries have gone back to the book of Psalms because it seems that in the book of Psalms, God gives words to our feelings, what's going on in our heart that we don't know exactly how to express. But we open up the book of Psalms, and it's like, that's exactly what I'm trying to say. That's exactly what I'm feeling. And Psalm 27 is one of those spots, especially if you're going through a dark time. Did you notice that David, who's writing this psalm, seems to be going through a pretty dark time in his life? The circumstances of his life are not favorable at this point. Did you notice some of those things that he said there? In verses 2 and 3, he talks about evildoers, adversaries, and foes. And he talks about a whole army, and he talks about war. And he says, these things are encamping against me. They're arising against me. They're eating up my flesh. David's not having a good day, right? And then, and then verse 10, he says, that's just stuff going on out here. But verse 10, he gets really personal. And he says in verse 10, my father and my mother have forsaken me. 
Some of you have felt that pain. I, I haven't felt that pain. I don't know what that pain would feel like. That, 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 that I've known throughout my life that even if everything else turns against me, my parents are with me. They're on my side. But, but David's in a place where he's saying, I'm at a spot where my father and my mother have forsaken me. David's in the middle of a very dark time. And in the rest of verses 11 to 12, we hear more about enemies and adversaries, false witnesses, people who are telling lies about him, rising up against him, breathing out violence. And so you would expect David in the midst of all of this darkness to have mainly the focus of his prayer be, God, can you get me out of this right now? And we get a little bit of that, especially in verse 12. But if you go through not just this, this passage of Scripture, but you start looking through God's Word and seeing how it is that God's people pray in His Word, here's one thing that you notice. Circumstances often seem secondary in prayers in the Bible. Often as you look at prayers in the Bible, circumstances seem secondary. A couple of examples. Paul wrote a few of his letters while he was in prison. And while he was in prison, now if I'm in prison, my requests for prayer are going to be often, please pray that I would get out soon. This is unfair that I'm even in here. And so pray that I would get out and be able to continue the work that God's given me to do. But you don't see Paul requesting that prayer as he writes these letters from prison. Instead, in Philippians 1, he's praying for that church, saying, May your love abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. He's praying for the church. And then in Colossians 4, in Colossians 4, Paul says this, At the same time, pray also for us. And this is where you think it's coming. Pray that we get out of here soon so we could keep doing some work. But that's not what he says. Pray that we get out of here because the food's not very good. Right? That, that's not his request. He says, pray for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. His prayer request is pray that God would open up some doors so that I can share the gospel with some people here. And, and pray that God would make my words clear. Right? That's his request. Our circumstances often seem secondary. In the book of Jonah, we have one recorded prayer of Jonah in chapter 2. In chapter 2, Jonah has just been thrown overboard, as in the sea has been swallowed up by a great fish, spending three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish. If I'm in there, my prayer is, God, please get me up out of here. It stinks, literally. Like, I don't want to be in here anymore. I'm glad to be alive, but not here, right? But what's Jonah's prayer? If you look at Jonah's prayer in Jonah 2, he's just praying a prayer of thanks to God for all the work that God's been doing while he's in the belly of a fish. Last week we talked about starting prayer, as Jesus kind of has it modeled for us, starting prayer with more of the, 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 the praise and adoration of God and then saying, God, your kingdom come, your will be done. So before we're even getting to our requests for our physical needs, which we ought to be praying about, Again, remember, I'm not saying don't ever pray about your circumstances. They don't matter. That's not the case. But, but you see, when, when Jesus is even giving us that model, you remember that he's saying your kingdom come, your will be done. So at the beginning of our prayer, our focus is on God's kingdom coming. We're praying about things that, 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 that concern his kingdom, his reign. And like I said last week, that testimony from that lady, her testimony was once I started doing that, some of the stuff that I got so concerned about, I just wasn't as concerned about by the time I got to my own prayer requests, right? So dark circumstances can drive us to prayer. 
and that's good. If you've got dark stuff going on in your life, stuff that you don't desire, that ought to be something that drives you to prayer. But our prayer should not be solely focused on those dark circumstances. So what do we learn from Psalm 27? In the midst of all this going on in David's life, how is it that he is going to come to God? What is it that he's going to request? Is there one desire that kind of shines above all the others in his prayer? And there is, and it's in verse 4. So let's look at verse 4. Psalm 27, verse 4, David says this, In the midst of all of this, being forsaken by his father and mother, enemies, adversaries, foes arising against him, eating up his flesh, in verse 4 he says this, One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. One request, one desire, above everything else. He's not saying, God, make this war end. Make my enemies go away. Make my relationships with my family healthy again. That's not his one request. One thing I have asked of the Lord, he says, that will I seek after. The one thing is this, that he wants to be in God's presence. He wants to be in God's presence. And we don't need to go to a temple today if we want to be in God's presence, right? We don't need to pack our bags and head somewhere where God's presence is. God's presence dwells in the hearts of those who trust in Jesus as Savior. If you trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, God himself, the Holy Spirit, comes to dwell in you. And so we can get into God's presence by simply coming to him in prayer. There's nothing fancy that we have to do. But David longs to be in God's presence because he knows that in God he has everything he needs. So he's looking at everything around him. He's concerned about everything around him. He's bringing that before God in prayer. But if he has to boil it all down, the one thing that he really wants, because the one thing he knows that he really needs is just to be in God's presence. And if I'm here in God's presence, everything's going to be okay. That's the one request. Now, what does this do about all those dark circumstances? I mean, will prayer change our circumstances? You bet it can. God can act in response to our prayer in changing things. God does that. That's why we pray. That's one of the reasons we pray. But one thing that I saw very clearly in studying this passage this week is this. Being with God in His presence doesn't just change things. It changes us. Right? As we spend time in fellowship with God through prayer, that can change things. But one thing that's for sure is it will change us. So you see that happening. You see David has all sorts of confidence. Even though everything seems to be falling apart around him, he has all sorts of confidence. And where does he get that? Is he just one of those glass half full, happy, go lucky, smiley kind of people? Is that his deal? It doesn't seem like it if you read the Psalms. It doesn't seem like that's his personality. But there is this confidence that he has in the midst of his dark circumstances. And I think it comes from his one desire that he would just be able to be in God's presence, to be in fellowship with him. And when he's with him, then he starts to see his circumstances differently. Look at verse 1. He says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? He knows there's lots of stuff that should cause fear. But he knows, 
I'm with the Lord, and the Lord himself is my stronghold. He's my refuge. He's my strength. He's my light. He's my salvation. And when I'm with him, then everything that should be really scary out there just isn't quite as scary anymore. Right? Like a little kid who, who maybe is scared of the dark and not wanting to go somewhere, but as long as somebody's with them, then it's going to be okay. And that's David's response. Like, okay, out there everything is really scary. It's really bad. But right now, I'm with the Lord. And the Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is my stronghold. And with Him, I'm going to be okay. We see it in verse 3. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. Where's that coming from? It's coming from David being in God's presence. Verse 10, I love this. And this is especially going to be, I think, a verse for those of you who have experienced the kind of relationships within your family where there's supposed to be love and acceptance and you've experienced separation and hurt and pain. Where David says in verse 10, for my father and my mother have forsaken me. We feel the pain of that. But then the next verse, next part of the verse, but the Lord will take me in. He knows that's true. As he looks at everything out there, and he says, my old my own family, and, and David had problems with his kids too. The whole family's falling apart. But I know this about my God. My God will take me in. That's a place I can go. Everything else is, but I can go to Him. That's good news. Being with God changes us. It's true. We see that in verses 5 and 6. We see it in verses 13 and 14. Not going to read through those. I, I uh, Lynn sent me a link to a song. Um, just actually some words that a lady was singing, kind of making it up as they were going during the worship service. But she had these words in that song. It was this: "I am gently held by the hand that could crush me, but I don't have to fear because I know that He loves me. So I'll stay here because I'm safe here." That's the kind of thing that you see David saying in verses five and six. Listen, I know the power of this God. This this is the God who could crush me with his hand, but he's holding me gently in it, in the midst of all of this stuff that I'm going through. And so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stay here because I know, I don't know what's going to happen out there, but I know that in his presence, he takes care of me. And so I just want to be with him. Time with God changes us. It does. One of the reasons that we are ought to be motivated to praise because we want God to change us, and we know that He changes us as we spend time in His presence in prayer. One of, one of my favorite verses that kind of highlights this is in Exodus chapter 34. Uh, Moses goes up on the mountain. It's the second time he's gone to get the, the, the tablets of the testimony. Um, the, the Ten Commandments are on these. First time he got upset and broke them, and so this time he went up to get them again, and he's coming back down the mountain after having spent time with God, in God's presence. And he comes down, and here's what it says in Exodus 34, 29. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Isn't that cool? That, that he didn't even know it, but there was something about spending that time in God's presence that made his face shine. So he comes down, 
And last time he came down, things didn't go well. And so he could be all worried and concerned about that. But he's coming down and he has been changed because he has been in the presence of God. He doesn't even know it. But God has done something in him as he spent time with him in God's presence. David longs more than anything to just spend time dwelling in God's presence, gazing upon God's beauty, laying out his request before God. His circumstances may or may not change, but his perspective on his circumstances changes as he spends time with God. That's what I hope happens as we pray. So here's where I want to get really practical. I'm going to ask you some questions. This was David's one desire. David said, one thing I'm going to go after, one thing I'm going to seek, that I can dwell in God's presence forever. So the question for us this morning is this. Is that what you want? Is that what you want? Could you honestly say, above everything else that I want, because we all have a long want list. We all have a lot of desires, and desires are not bad things. God's given us desires. But could we honestly say, above everything else that's on my desire list, God, I desire just to be in your presence. If if I'm going to go after one thing this week in my life, that's the one thing I'm going to go after. Do you really want it? And here's one thing that somebody told me once that I still remember. We do what we really want to do. Don't we? I mean, even if we got this crazy busy schedule and life is nuts, if we get hungry and we want to eat, guess what we find time to do? Eat. Right? If if we're if even though everything's crazy and we're behind and we're never going to catch up and and our our schedule's just always full and we get a little bit tired, we're really tired, guess what we always find time to do? Sleep. Because we want to. We do what we really want to do. And so we can act like we're victims to everything that's going on out there. Well, my schedule's just so busy. I just don't have time to pray. Who makes your schedule? God's given you time. He's entrusted you with the gift of time. And we can, we can decide, and we do. We decide every day, how are we going to use this gift that God gives to us? And we end up, in the end, doing what we really want to do. And so we can say, well, I really want to spend more time in prayer. If we really wanted to spend more time in prayer, you know what we'd do? Spend more time in prayer, right? We would, we would decide to stop wasting time with so many things that waste our time, and we would go spend more time with God in prayer. Practically, how do you, get, how do, you do this? Because um, this is, I'm not, like, it sounds like I'm yelling at you. It, didn't it, it sound maybe like I was yelling at you a little bit there. But I'm, I'm talking to myself, too, because this is hard. There's so many things on my list. My calendar is full. I got this thing that keeps track of my time, and and it's full, right? But one thing that I've wanted to, and then again, I said this is the reason that I'm doing this prayer series, is I want to spend more time in prayer with God. I, I long for that. I want it. And so one thing that I've done to kind of discipline myself in that way is I've actually downloaded an app, you can check it out, called Echo, that, that gives me reminders to pray. So my phone is just buzzing at me like, hey, pray about this right now, and I've got reminders set up. So that's been helpful for me. Maybe that's not the way that you need to go. Um, but, but do something to schedule prayer. We schedule everything else in our lives, and then we think, like, well, maybe I'll be able to squeeze prayer in somewhere, but you're never able to squeeze stuff in. That's just not the way schedules work. And so why not schedule time? We schedule everything else in our lives. Why not schedule time? Like, hey, I'm going to just, during this period of time, and maybe it's 10 minutes. I'm not talking about hours. 
Maybe it is, but maybe it's just ten. I'm just going to schedule some time where this is what I'm going to do. I've got lots of stuff to do, but I'm putting that all away, and I'm just going to be in the presence of God right now. We can do that. Schedule some time. Maybe you need to, to, to do it with other people. Like say, hey, let's do this together. Let's pray together at this time. Maybe you get together in your life groups this week, and you say, let's, let's, let's do this together. Let's all pray together at this time, whatever. I don't know what it is. Part of what might be helpful with all this is just shutting off some noise. We live in a world where we value communication, and there's just always noise going on. And so I don't know what it takes for you to turn off noise. I've just, one thing I've just started doing about six weeks ago, and it's been really good, I don't listen to the radio in my car anymore. Um, some of you are in your car a lot longer than I am. You probably need to. Uh, but but I, in short little trips and stuff, I just, I'm not using that anymore because I'm just talking out loud to God, just spending time in prayer in my car talking to him. I don't need to learn a little bit more. Uh, I, don't, I don't listen to music very much. I just I want to learn stuff, right? So I, have a, I don't need to learn more stuff about what's, like, I'm fine right now. That's fine if I do, but what I really need is I just need to spend time in God's presence. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. And so I'm going to just stop right now, and I'm just going to do that. that. That's what I do for some short periods of time. I've also been working on spending more extended periods of time in prayer, and that's what I use um, that reminder system for. Maybe you need to turn the noise off by just turning your TV off. Um, a lot of times it's just, well, it's just on, and so there's always background noise, so it's never quiet. Um, just turn that off so it's quiet every once in a while. Maybe, maybe it's when, when you're at home, you put your phone instead of in your pocket, because it's so easy when it's in your pocket, right? So easy. Um, maybe your phone just needs to go on a shelf somewhere. You actually have to like maybe move in order to check it or something like that. I mean, incredibly inconvenient, I know. Um, but, but we have so many things that are just seriously, like even right on us, not just, not just something, but just stuff that's right on us. That's distracting us constantly. There's always noise and we value communication with all sorts of different people. I need to know what it was that you had for dinner. And so thank you for posting it on Instagram. So I can see what you had for, like, I need to know that. I don't really need to, though, right? And so, so that's okay if it buzzes and I don't check it, because I need to spend time with God. That's what I need, right? So, so, so it's part of it is just very practical, just saying, if I really value this more than I value some other things, what are some other things that I'm valuing above this that I just need to put aside for a period of time? Another thing, uh, as we think about spending that time with God, just a question. Are you doing all the talking? You doing all the talking? Um, maybe you've had a relationship with a person like that, like maybe like an ex-boyfriend or an ex-girlfriend, right? Like uh, um, that just like a, man, I, like I, I don't even get to say anything. Like you just, and they're just talking all the time. Um, relationships work best when there's two-way communication that takes place, right? Um, but sometimes when we're praying, it feels like we're talking to a wall. Like, I'm just saying stuff. Now, I remember hearing something like this when I was younger, that prayer is supposed to be two-way communication. Here's the way that that worked in my mind. The way that that worked in my mind is I'm supposed to, when I pray, spend a little bit of time just being quiet and, and waiting to see if maybe God will say something. I've tried that, and you know what happens when I'm quiet? I just start thinking about all sorts of other, and I get distracted, Right? And so, like, well, I guess, you know, and I've never had, when, when, when I maybe when I hear something, and it, I don't really hear anything, but I think something, and I don't know whether that's coming from God 
or whether that's just my own thoughts. It's so confusing, right? So how do you have prayer be more like a conversation where it's a two-way? Like, here's the thing I've been learning a lot lately. You know, you know where we know that God speaks? In his word, right? So that as I pray, I'm not just like quiet and, and hoping that God might say something and maybe it's God and maybe it's just me and I'm not sure. I know what God says for sure because God has given us his word. This is, this is what God says. So if I want to have a conversation with God in prayer, then what I've been doing for, for probably a year, yeah, about a year probably now that I've been doing this more regularly, is when I pray, I've got the Bible open. And as I read my Bible, that's not separate from my prayer time. I'm reading my Bible prayerfully. So you'll notice in the life group guide for, for quite a few months now, I've put after you read the passage, I, I have three things there. Does this passage lead me to rejoice about something? Does this passage lead me to bring a request before God? And does this passage lead me to repent of something? So that as we're reading Scripture, we're, we're, we're looking at those things. What is this? So, so we're having that conversation with God in that way. We're hearing Him speak, saying, God, as I read your word, show me something. And so, so we're reading this, and then we're turning that into our prayer. That's something that's been very helpful for me lately as well. Maybe helpful for you too. But the big question is this, what do you really want? You have to ask yourself this question. Do I want just the things that God can give me or do I want God himself? Did you hear that question? Do I want just the things that God can give me or do I want God himself? I want to enjoy God. I want to enjoy spending time in the presence of my heavenly father. A couple of weeks ago, I told you about a man in Wisconsin named Bob Kern um, who, who generously gave me and a number of other people scholarships. So I went to seminary for totally free uh, because this generous man uh, had a lot of money and he, and he gave it out to lots of people. Grateful for that, but let me tell you this. You know what I'm more grateful for than Bob Kern? I'm grateful for my dad because my dad didn't have as much money as Bob Kern. He doesn't. But my dad throughout my life has given me everything that I've needed. He's cared for me, provided for me, protected me, loved me unconditionally. And I would much rather have my dad than I'd have Bob Kern. Grateful for Bob Kern. I love my dad. Right? And so, so we need to think about that. Do we want God to be just like some distant philanthropist who gives us everything that we need? We don't really know him. I met Bob Kern one time. We don't really know him. Or do, or do we, would we rather have God who is our loving Heavenly Father, who knows what we need even better than we do, who we can talk to and spend time in his presence, who can comfort us, who can give us peace, who gives us joy? That's what we want, isn't it? Not just a God who can give us what we're asking for. And so we can pray with David, Psalm 27, 4. One thing I've asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. If that's not your desire, keep praying and asking God to make it your desire. Because it's not all the time, and we've got to confess that. God, would you make that my desire? Above all these other desires that I have, would you make it my desire to be with you? I love Psalm 20, 70, sorry, Psalm 73 where it says, There is, whom have I in heaven but you, and there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. 
my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. He's good enough. We want to dwell with him forever. I was uh, up this week running at the Dale Howard Family Activity Center, and uh, I saw somebody working out there, and they were wearing this T-shirt, and the T-shirt said this, if they don't have soccer in heaven, I'm not going. And uh, like, oh, cute, they like soccer is what I first thought. And then I thought, man, how sad is that? That our two options of where we spend our eternal destiny are heaven with God in his presence, experiencing increasing joy forever, or in hell, separated from God, experiencing eternal punishment. And somebody would would put on a t-shirt, and a lot of people probably have a t-shirt like that, that would say, I would rather play soccer for the rest of my life than be in heaven. Because if, if there's not soccer, and, and there probably is, I don't know. But, it, but they're saying this, that they value soccer so much more than they value being with God in heaven. That's scary to me. But I think it's honest. A lot of people could say something like that. Well, if that's not happening, then, then I don't want to go. Because we forget that what we should long for, and what we ought to long for more than anything else, is God himself. John Piper wrote this one time, and I've gone back to this quote a number of times. It's powerful. He says this, Christ did not die to forgive sinners who go on treasuring anything above seeing and savoring God. And people who would be happy in heaven if Christ were not there will not be there. The gospel is not a way to get people to heaven. It's a way to get people to God. It's a way of overcoming every obstacle to everlasting joy in God. If we don't want God above all things, then we've not been converted by the gospel. That's heavy. And so I think one thing that, that, that we're forced to do when we see David ask something like, one thing I ask, if I only get one thing, it's that I want to be in God's presence forever. You have to ask yourself this morning, is that what you want? Is that a desire that you have? And if, if that's not even on your radar screen, I don't really care that much about spending time with God. Then you should question and, and ask yourself, do, do, I really, do I really believe that he really is God? Do I really believe that he's worthy of my worship and worthy of my everything? Um, of course, none of us are, are totally there yet. There's going to be days and times and seasons in which there's so many other things competing and we're just not sure. But, but in those times, we just come before him and say, God, I know that this is what's going to satisfy. What I really need more than I need anything else is I just need to be with you in your presence. I want us to be a church like that. That doesn't mean that we don't enjoy anything else. Okay, 1 Timothy six seventeen says, For God richly provides us with everything to enjoy. God's given you some other things. There's other things. Like, if you're a Cyclones fan and they beat Kansas last night, it's okay. Be happy about it. Be happy. Like, well, no, I don't want anything but God. I don't care if the Jayhawks win. Like, no, you can be happy about the Cyclones. What you, there, there's lots of things. I, I want to find a lot of joy in being a dad and being a husband. Like, there's lots of ways that we can find joy in life. But what if what we were seeking above everything else is to find joy not just in all those gifts, but in the one who gives all those good gifts, in God himself. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are so good. The fact that we can even be in your presence with our sin and your holiness, we know that only comes because of what Christ has done. He's bought that right, that privilege with his own blood. 
We are so thankful. God, thank you for all the good gifts that you've given us, but help us not to enjoy any of them as much as we enjoy you, the giver of all good gifts. May we, God, become a people that are driven to prayer, not just in dark times, but at all times, because we just want to be with you. Help us with that in Jesus' name. Amen.